Hey friends, Lisa Kiefhofer here, host of Grief is a Sneaky Bitch podcast. Welcome to this special episode. I'm bringing you something different today. There won't be any guests, but don't worry, they'll be back next week, in fact. So make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss the next episode when it drops. But today it's just you and me. Somehow the holiday season snuck up on us, didn't it? And whether this is your first or your 21st holiday in the wake of loss, I know it can be tough. So I wanted to offer you 10 invitations today for navigating the holidays in grief. It doesn't take a holiday season to bring on waves of grief, does it? During the rest of the year, it might just be Tuesdays or the first day of school or a certain meal, or a song on the radio. One of the many ways grief can be sneaky is that the how, why, when, and where it shows up can change from day to day and over time, depending on the season of your grief. I had one of those surprise visits recently. My late husband, Eric, who I've shared a little bit about with you, he used to buy me flowers for no reason. And since his death 11 years ago, I buy them for myself often just to bring back the joyful memories of that gorgeous smile that lit up his face every time he saw the joy it brought me. Typically, I find myself reveling in the gratitude for having loved and been loved by him when I'm arranging the flowers in a vase. But recently, I just happened to notice this beautiful ray of sunlight cascading across the blossoms, and bam, I found myself weeping. Well, let's be honest, it was more like ugly crying, and it lasted a while, like all night. Thankfully, I gave myself permission to be with it, and since I live alone, there's no pressure from anyone else to dry my tears or stuff down my sadness. But that got me thinking, We've entered the season where joy, gratitude, and celebration is the expectation, and the pressure is on now more than ever to hide away our grief. So while I can't promise you that grief won't show up for you over the holidays, because of course it will, grief likes to show up even and especially when it's not invited, I do want to offer you these 10 invitations to help you navigate the holidays and grief with maybe a little more ease and a lot more grace. First invitation is to name the hard things. We all have a sense that the holidays are hard. But even though it probably feels like everything about it's hard, especially if you're in the early seasons of your grief, being specific with which particular aspects are hard can help you feel less overwhelmed and helpless. Plus, it can also make space to help you see what might feel good. So take some time to write down what's hard. Is it certain days? Is it being with certain people? Is it specific locations, etc.? Is it expectations you have of yourself? Is it the expectations you believe specific people have about you? Knowing in more detail will help you identify, prioritize, and plan. But equally important is to write down what feels good, or at least sucks less, which sometimes is our goal, 
especially in early grief. Maybe it's doing things in shorter time bursts than usual, or smaller versus larger gatherings, or spending time in nature. Number two, ditch the shoulds. Should is the most dangerous word in our grief vocabulary. Should seems to creep up more often during the holidays because, again, the expectations for joy, gratitude, happiness, and celebration, pretty much all the things we don't feel much of in our grief, are in our face, around every turn, from songs on the radio to commercials to decorations on our neighbor's lawn and even cards in the mail. So I want you to consider ditching the shoulds this holiday season. Well, and honestly, all year round. Remember, you don't have to be thankful. You don't have to smile. You don't have to sing songs or cook or attend services or do any fucking thing you don't want to do. It's important to remember that shouldn't is dangerous too. So if you feel happy or do want to participate, but hear yourself saying, I shouldn't want this or I shouldn't feel this way, remember, it's okay to feel however you feel. So my invitation this holiday season is to practice being a should detective. Every time you hear yourself say out loud or in your mind, I should or shouldn't XYZ, pause. Take a breath. Ask yourself why. Where does that belief come from? Does it make sense to hold on to it in this moment, given that you're in the depth of your grief? Maybe keep track of it in a journal or talk about it with a trusted friend or partner. Number three, adjust your aim. This season seems to insist that the only worthy aim for the holidays is joy and merriment. Anything less is a sign that you're just a Scrooge. Bah humbug. But The truth is the holidays bring up losses, both the absence of people we loved who died or who maybe just aren't present in our lives anymore, and the losses of those things we'd hoped to have but never came to pass. Given that our losses are so profound at this time of year, please remember that it's okay in this season of holiday and joy and merriment to be sad or angry tired, irritated, lonely, melancholy, bittersweet, numb, or however the heck you're feeling. It's also okay to feel joy and hope too. It's okay to feel all the feels, some of the feels, even if they feel contradictory. So if having a joyful holiday season doesn't feel available to you, ask yourself what does. I'm inviting you to adjust your aim. Maybe this year your aim isn't a joyful season. Maybe it's having a few joyful moments or hours or days. Maybe joy just isn't in your vocabulary at all. Maybe it's something more akin to a quiet holiday season or perhaps ease or peaceful feels more reasonable. Honestly, maybe it's just about surviving and getting through. That's okay too. Once you've adjusted your aim, Share it with the people closest to you so they can support you in achieving your goal. Number four, plan for your needs versus their wants. No is a complete sentence. It seems grammatically problematic, but go with me here. One of the things so many of us struggle with 
in grief is the sense that we're constantly letting other people down because we're not our usual selves. In grief, that fear can include the worry that we're being the big bummer in the room at every gathering. Been there, felt that for sure. In grief and in life, the only thing we owe someone else is being our authentic selves. And if that's a sad version of you or a non-cooking version of you, or a version of you that says no, then so be it. During the holidays, we feel this extra pressure to meet other people's wants to the point where we sacrifice what we need. That might be the wants of our children, our parents, our friends, and even our colleagues. So we say yes when what we really feel like saying is no. I want you to consider this. When you prioritize other people's wants over your needs... How often do you end up feeling resentful? How often do you show up with your less than best self? What are you teaching those around you about standing up for what they need in their times of struggle? This holiday season, I want you to take inventory of what you need to help you achieve whatever aim you just set. That might mean saying no to traditional and long-standing gatherings, that might mean not doing the cooking. That might mean people visiting you instead of you traveling to them. Who knows? Number five, inventory your calendar. Now that you know what's hard, you're working on ditching those shoulds, your aim is adjusted, and you have a sense of what you need to get there, let's take a look at your calendar. This invitation requires a little homework, fair warning here. I want to invite you to take 15 to 30 minutes and take inventory of what's already on your calendar for the season ahead. Get curious. What have you already said yes to? How many of those things are likely to be hard? Given what you've already discovered from the previous four invitations, how many of those events or gatherings can you handle per week or per month? Equally important, get curious about what's on your calendar that feels good or is nourishing in some way. If your calendar doesn't feel in line with your aim, make some adjustments. Maybe you've recognized you're at your max for large gatherings. Great! That'll make it easier for you to say, thanks for the invitation, but my calendar is already full to any more of those that come your way. Perhaps it'll require you to send a thanks again for the invitation, but I've realized I've overcommitted and I won't be able to join you kind of notes. You may also realize that there's not enough restoration built into your calendar. So make sure you take some time to schedule blocks of time for things that nourish you too like time in nature, exercise, a creative endeavor, or maybe even something playful. Okay, we're now to number six. Find your exit buddy. As Crush the wise 100-year-old turtle said in Finding Nemo, do you have your exit buddy? While you're the only one experiencing this loss, that doesn't mean you need to navigate this season alone. One of the things about the holiday season being so hard but obviously grief-inducing is that it gives us time to plan and build in supports. Even if we've named what's hard, 
ditched the shoulds, adjusted our aim, prioritized our calendar, and focused on our needs, we might still find ourselves needing to leave a holiday gathering early, escape an awkward conversation, or find help holding the weight of our grief for a while. That's where our exit buddy comes in. So I'm inviting you to think about who your exit buddies or supports are that might be useful as you navigate this season. And FYI, you can have more than one. You might talk with a friend and ask if they can be available for a call on a specific day you anticipate attending a difficult gathering. Or it might be talking with a trusted friend or family member ahead of an event to come up with a secret signal or a plan for a mid-event walk. It might look like getting extra appointments on the books with your therapist, or even just letting family members know you might leave early without a big announcement, and don't worry. All right, number seven is expect the unexpected. This season is full of extra tasks, deadlines, and expectations. It's also full of traditions, rituals, and gatherings that fill your calendar to the max. It feels like there is absolutely no wiggle room, but the truth is grief doesn't care about any of that. Grief is messy and nonlinear and, well, a sneaky bitch. One of the best things we can do for ourselves is expect things to not go according to plan, including how or when or where our grief might show up. So I'm inviting you to develop a mantra or two to offer yourself some grace when grief does what it does, show up unexpectedly. Maybe you'll say to yourself knowingly, wow, it's just like Lisa says, grief is such a sneaky bitch. Or maybe you'll offer yourself compassion by saying, it's okay to feel however I'm feeling in this moment. That's just the nature of grief. Number eight, find someone else to help. One of the most frequent reminders I offer grievers is to be self-full. For many of us, our instinct is to downplay our needs in the service of others. And as I've already shared, my invitation is to prioritize excuse me, your needs over their wants. However, one of the tried and true and scientifically backed truths is that helping someone else who's also suffering or in need can help us feel better too. It can put things in perspective. It can interrupt the rumination that sometimes happens in our grief or simply fill what feels like a too sparse social calendar for some of us. So if you find yourself in need of a shift in perspective, consider participating in a formal volunteer program around the holidays, like visiting seniors or serving meals. But remember, it doesn't have to be big or formal. It could be something as simple as a text or a call to another person you know who's grieving. It could be surprising your new neighbors with your favorite holiday cookies. Really, any random act of kindness will do. Number nine is about making space for old, new, and emerging rituals and traditions. Tradition, tradition. Okay, yes, I'm channeling Fiddler on the Roof right now. I apologize. Traditions can be beautiful. They help us feel connected with others across time and space. But traditions can also be hard when we're deep in our grief. Traditions can be one of the things that triggers our grief the most during the holidays. 
and it's hard to know when it's appropriate to carry them forward or let them go. And the truth is, there may not be a clear sign, and there's definitely not a right answer. So this holiday season, make space for old, new, and emerging rituals. Take some time to think about which traditions feel important for you to carry forward. You might also discover that some feel hard, but maybe with a little adjusting, they might feel good or at least less sucky. Finally, give yourself and your family permission to try something new this year. And don't forget, one of the most important things we do in our grief is to find a way to carry our person with us as we live into this emerging story of our lives. So be creative and explore ways to incorporate the love, the life, and the memories of your loved one into your holiday traditions and rituals. Remember, adding something new or not participating in a long-standing tradition this year doesn't mean it's a permanent thing. Give yourself grace. It's truly the best gift you can give yourself. Okay, that means we've made it to number 10. Pause, breathe, and repeat. We live in a productivity-obsessed culture that prioritizes outcomes over process and glorifies busyness. Ugh, there is so much wrong with that mindset, but that's a discussion for another day. The stress of grief is real, and it impacts us cognitively, physically, and emotionally. We're busy learning and adapting to a new world order, one that makes no sense and has no instructions. The added stressors of the holiday seasons only add to the sense of stress overload. That's why I'm inviting you to consider focusing on a different P word for the holiday, pause. Pause when, you, when your feet hit the ground in the morning and spend a few minutes focusing on your breath, taking a nice big breath and exhaling with a big whoosh. Before you stand up, take a moment to consider what actions will help you feel better or once again, at least help your grief suck less. Pause before you respond to the invitation to yet another event and ask yourself, does this fit with what I need? Pause when you hear yourself uttering the words should and shouldn't. Pause and ask yourself, when's the last time I ate, drank water, took a deep breath? Those are my 10 invitations for you to navigate the holiday season. I hope you found this helpful. If you need a reminder, I'm going to share this conversation as a blog post on my website and in my not-so-regular newsletter. So head over to lisakiefoffer.com. That's Lisa, K-E-E-F-A-U-V-E-R.com. And if you have a friend or a family member or even a colleague who could use these invitations, make sure to share this episode with them too. If you do it on the socials, make sure you tag me at Lisa Kiefoffer MSW. Oh, and if you love the show, please don't forget to leave a rating for Grief is a Sneaky Bitch on your favorite podcast platform. It's been wonderful spending this time with you today. I'm your host, Lisa Kiefoffer. Until next time, I see you, I hear you, and I'm holding you in my heart. Thank you.